Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Meeting Place, uh, edition number two here for Wednesday, uh, and it's called Contractor's Corner. And uh, we've got with us Donnie Blanchard here, and he's from uh, SureTop Roofing of Burlington, and we'll be talking some about them, and uh, he'll be answering questions for you if you're wanting to build things, uh, repair things, or uh, you got some projects you are wanting to ask about. Give us a call. The number is 222-9224, 222-9224. Well, good morning, Donnie. Glad to have you with us here. Yes, sir. Big O, glad to be here. That's and, a sharp jacket you're wearing there. Oh, thank you. Make me feel a little bit underdressed. <laughs> it's a little warm in here. It was it was cooler outside. Yes, sir. But when I came in here, the, the place had the heat on. It's, I should have taken it off because I am getting a little warm. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, we we were talking about a lot of things last week, and uh, we've got some more stuff to talk about this week. By the way, uh, Donnie is with SureTop Roofing, and if you want to call them about anything, the number is two seven zero ninety two ninety two. That's a three three six number two seven zero ninety two ninety two. Well, most of us have turned that heat on. Uh, some of us for the first time <laughs> this past week. And it smelled like something was burning. What causes this? Well, that's a pretty popular question this time mm-hmm. of the year. And um, I was experiencing the same thing in my personal house. But uh, what happens, and this is speaking of electric heat with a heat pump. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times there's a, a big temperature gap when you finally fire up that thermostat and change over from the air condition to the heat. Mm-hmm. In this particular scenario, I'm sure that you wake up in the morning, it's freezing cold because you went to sleep with the AC on, mm-hmm. and uh, you fire the heat up, and then all of a sudden your house smells like something's burning. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is in those air handlers for the heat pump, they have these uh, – these coils and basically the coils if you ever see your thermostat go to an auxiliary or emergency heat Mm -hmm. that will um uh, that's when those coils are activated and what Mm -hmm. what happens is say your house is on a consistent temperature you've got it at 70 and your heat's been on for a couple days Mm -hmm. you're not going to have that same issue because the uh, the heat just runs like normal Mm -hmm. i want to say it's a two degree difference so when it drops down to 69 of course your thermostat kicks the heat on and everything works Mm -hmm. like normal Mm -hmm. when you have more than a two degree discrepancy that will fire up these auxiliary coils and what happens this time of year is those coils have been sitting for six eight months without mm-hmm. any heat or anything mm-hmm. like that and they've just accumulated dust mm-hmm. so what you're smelling That's that dust is burning away. yes sir that dust is just burning away so after about an hour or so you shouldn't smell anything i would um, always advise to go ahead and check and maybe go in your attic and if you if you smell it longer than say mm-hmm. half an hour to an hour, then you should probably call somebody. But I Check think this it. is a fairly common thing that happens in most households. You know the one thing, and I know there is no solution for this, but I wish there was a way warm air started coming out instead of cold air until you get to the warm air. Oh yeah, <laughs> on a forced air deal. But there's no way because you got cold air in the ducts, right? And you're going to get the cold air first before you get to yes, the, sir. That's exactly the warm right. air. And the uh, and I think it I want to say it's around ninety five degrees for a heat pump is is the temperature of the mm-hmm. air that it finally blows out when everything's working or hitting on all cylinders and uh, it's kind of a different deal in the summertime with your air condition. Mm-hmm. I believe the rule of thumb is that it can control. I'm sorry, it can lower the temperature as much as twenty degrees from the ambient temperature outside. Mm-hmm. So on a hundred degree day, if you have a perfectly sized unit. It's still going to bring it down down to about 80 80 degrees. degrees. Yes, sir. So, um, you know, 90 degree day, 70 is doable. 
what most heating and air folks to play it, do to play it safe is they'll oversize that unit just by mm-hmm. a ton or so, mm-hmm. and uh, that usually contributes to the comfort level quite a bit. Well, you know, um, that that's interesting because a lot of us are, are you know have gas furnaces and stuff, but when you get into different kinds of furnaces, you got different kinds of uh, things to deal with. Yes, sir. Some of those split systems with the uh, the gas electric hybrid you know mm-hmm. the gas will kick on and it'll warm the house up really quick i know those are pretty popular in churches so mm-hmm. they come in at nine o'clock on the sunday morning and they need that sanctuary to be at 70 right, right, by, by right. 10 so that gas pack will kick on and uh and then the electric will take over for maintenance because of course the electrical is a little more economical you know i try not to push my um system i mean if it's really 95 out like you said, if it's 85 inside when it's 95 outside, it still feels cool to you. Right. You right. don't have to get it down to 70. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be cool of 85 if it's it's 100 degrees outside, folks. Same thing in the wintertime when it gets terribly cold. A lot of people just turn that thing up to 80 degrees and it really you don't, you you don't want eighty degrees. No, uh, the seventy two is what I leave mine on, but everybody has different comfort zones. Yes, sir. Okay, all right. What are designer shingles? I want to find out this. Yeah, this is a popular question, and and they're uh, they're basically um, something different than what we're all used to. The um, the common thing that we've grown to see over the years is just three tab and architectural so 30 mm-hmm. years ago the three tabs they they lay pretty flat they have the brick pattern where it's a staggered joint look and and of mm-hmm. course those are anywhere from a 20 to a 25 year shingle the architectural came onto the scene you know 30 years ago or so and they were more expensive they were something brand new uh, i know that the new look kind of scared a few folks off and uh and then they became ever so popular as the price went down mm-hmm. now i want to say on average it's about 15 dollars per square square meaning a 10 by 10 section mm-hmm. the materials are, are, are just a, a little bit different cost wise and for us the labor is the same thing because mm-hmm. they're the same size just different look but the big thing is the architectural shingles now have as much as a 40 or 50 year warranty depending on if it's wow. a multifamily commercial or residential building. most people are not going to live in their house that long right right well uh one thing that we noticed in our continuing education that we do every year is if we go to an eight hour session there's about four hours of meat and potatoes and then the next four hours is usually something to do with designer shingles and that's mm-hmm. been going on with the major manufacturers for a couple of years now uh what they are is just basically a whole new line of shingles so we'll have um, we'll have uh, architectural and three tabs uh, on 95 percent of the houses that you see and a lot of folks are just hell-bent on not looking like their neighbor so that's mm-hmm. kind of where designer shingles come in and and um, they're usually a bulkier different style and uh, just a, a nice looking shingle altogether but they are more expensive um, the uh, the designer shingles are uh, are made to simulate slate or wood shakes mm-hmm. or things mm-hmm. like that. And they so, are beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, well, slate is kind of leak prone. We do that on a lot mm-hmm. of older buildings. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. but uh, they're they're basically trying to simulate these different, more popular roof looks with a mm-hmm. with with a shingle that will last fifty years. And the prediction from all the major manufacturers is that these designer shingles will eventually take over. So, right now you have two main lines of shingles, and they're predicting in another 10 or 20 years we'll have 
20 to 30 different lines of shingles plus wow. all the colors that go with those and i think that they're really catering to these uh these big subdivisions where like i said earlier nobody wants to look exactly like the house next door uh do the designer shingles i hear some of shingles advertising like they've got an adhesive there under the under the underside of the shingle is is that something you have to deal with yeah most of them have the uh the adhesive just so they bind to the shingle yeah, below okay, but the right. uh, the designers are several layers thick in most cases especially the simulated mm-hmm. slate and things like that so yeah they're a lot heavier with a lot more adhesive and mm-hmm. things like the valleys have to be done differently and you know just all the warranty specifications are a whole nother ball game okay all righty is it safe to buy blueprints online, or should we hire a designer to do something? Oh, um, well, that's a that's a tough one. I know that there are a lot of good local designers here in town, but uh, I would say to answer that question uh, mainly depends on uh, two things, your lot size and whether or not that's your forever home. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's your forever home, of course, I would advise going to a designer and, and taking all the time that you need to find out what you like and and then also just sitting on it for a while you kind of mm-hmm. find out you don't want to take the mm-hmm. first run at a blueprint and when you sit there and meditate over it you know um with your family wife or whatever and uh, normally things change mm-hmm. quite a bit from when you start to when what you end up with in the finish but and, and lots of times even if you hire your own designer you're gonna you're gonna f- wind up having mind changes during that period too. oh yeah that's absolutely right the uh the lot size that I mentioned, uh, that definitely comes into play because the uh, a lot of these, these houses you buy online, and there are thousands to choose from, but mm-hmm. a lot of those are they're, they're designed to fit on a lot in a subdivision. So mm-hmm. if you live mm-hmm. in the country and you have a nice spread out lot, of course, that's not a, a mm-hmm. problem. And yep. uh, if I had uh, a house like that, I would probably lean more towards a designer. But if you're in a pinch and you're going to build a house that, uh, you know, you need the plans mm-hmm. in a hurry for pricing purposes and that sort of thing, I would definitely uh, recommend just going online. It, it's certainly a little bit cheaper. It's not it's not what you think if you spend anywhere mm-hmm. from 700 to 1200 online. You know, you may spend another uh, six to 800 on a designer, but, but the price per square foot for the design is not what you mm-hmm. think. Um, another route that you could take if you bought this plan. How do you do about financing on something like that do you have to pay the designers separately or can that be financed in the price of uh, doing the house usually before the bank loan process starts you'll have to have the plans to take to the bank so that's a that's usually something that comes out of pocket and and um, you take those plans to the bank and they say yay or nay on the loan and and what you qualify for but you have to Mm -hmm. have those for a starting point and um, what i was going to say earlier the uh the, the plans that you buy online oftentimes are designed elsewhere so here in central north carolina the codes and things are say different than what you would Mm -hmm. have in new york Mm -hmm. or down Mm -hmm. in florida even Uh, my dad being a footing subcontractor i know that we we got a couple of these i want to say donald gardner plans and he's based Mm -hmm. out of south carolina so just Mm -hmm. a a short distance south the amount of piers and uh you know the the columns under you see under your house and within the inside of the foundation the number of piers is almost double because, of course, they have different mm-hmm. soil than we have here, and all the PSI is, is different. And in Florida, it you know it's even more mm-hmm. extravagant there. But 
what what we would see folks do or i've even done this in the past when someone brought me a plan from from online we take it to a structural engineer Good and just idea. have them redesign yeah. the foundation and i mean there's thousands that can be saved you got to think that if they cut out all the the brickwork the masonry labor the footing uh labor the concrete that goes with the footing labor excavation everything is less and um, if it's not necessary it sure is nice to have a little more space to to crawl around if you ever have to get under that house yeah uh talking about getting back to the roofing again and by the way uh sure top roofing is the sponsor of our program it's contractors corner we're here every wednesday and if you want to get in touch with sure top and they can take care of all those uh roofing needs it's uh 336 270-92-270-9292 and that'll get you through to them if you got any questions uh I, I see some of these older homes, and, of course, I don't know whether they're doing this anymore, maybe in California somewhere, with, like, uh, the terracotta roofing. What do, what do mm-hmm. you call that? Uh, it's actually the t- uh, Spanish tile is yeah, the popular yeah. word for that, and they're everywhere, California, Florida. And mm-hmm. uh, back in my 20s, I worked in Florida quite a bit, and that that was just an eye-opening experience because when you see these I things that's a whole deal about putting that on is it it is, is a different thing yes sir thing. it's almost like a commercial membrane under yeah, that and yeah. um, i want to say that it's a 90 pound uh weight material so it's yeah. super thick and it, even though it's on a slope they they go overboard with the underlayment but what you're seeing with the spanish tile I, and i didn't know this until i had seen it firsthand that that's not the actual roofing product i'm sure it helps but the <laughs> roofing product is under that that's just a, yeah. a facade for decoration and it's beautiful but uh certainly doesn't keep it must the water be out. expensive though i would imagine it would be very expensive oh yeah the designer shingles we talked about earlier they they even they're they're more expensive than the designer i want to yeah. say that just an average size roof is probably forty thousand dollars for the yeah. spanish tile Okay. All right. Uh, let me, we haven't talked about this. Maybe we did and I've forgotten it because I'm old. Uh, but uh, what about the new metal roofing that we hear so much about? Yeah, well, metal roofing, of course, there's um, a little uh, do diff- you, you folks do that? Or? Yes, sir. We do no. a lot of metal. We do. Okay. And uh, the metal has it's come a long way. And you see this old barn metal and you're riding through the country and mm-hmm. it's normally just a galvanized uh, piece of sheet yeah, metal and yeah. just kind of piece it we together. We call it tin roofs. Tin right? roofs. Those right um but uh now they have they have uh, a, a lot more uh, a lot of advancements with the metal and the paint warranty the two main kinds of metal that we do are the slang is screw down and mm-hmm. the other type is standing seam the technical term is uh, concealed fastener versus exposed fastener the screw mm-hmm. down is what you see more of uh and, and the screw down is the exposed fastener where the, you can actually see the screws on top of the metal mm-hmm. and those panels come in three foot wide lengths and of course it's a little less expensive than the standing seam because the thickness of the metal is is a lighter gauge so uh with the screw down normally that comes in 29 to 26 gauge and with the uh, standing seam those panels are uh, 16 inches wide and they come in a 24 gauge but uh, both are ever so popular. You see standing seam more on commercial buildings than you do residential, but uh, uh, the standing seam is becoming a lot more popular on porches and water tables, uh, what we call bird boxes or returns. Mm-hmm. People are using the metal for an accent. So if you have a black shingle roof and then a black metal porch, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I did my dad's roof and I did the uh, dormers with the standing seam metal and black. The uh, The porch is done in standing seam metal black and then the rest of it 
is a uh, is an architectural shingle, but it all ties together really well. Now, is this metal aluminum? Uh, so there's two things. Aluminum is what they use at the coast, and, uh, of course, we've been really getting hit with this question a lot, and I'm glad you asked that. The The metal that you see around here is a steel, uh, is a mm-hmm. steel product. So mm-hmm. the difference is the uh, steel coating, of course, the uh, steel coated with, with, a, with like a galvalume coating, and then the paint goes on top of that. The two differences in the aluminum, and this might not be exactly right, but I want to say the aluminum is a half a pound per square foot, and the steel is a pound per square foot. However, the aluminum is more expensive and has a better warranty on account of, I think they test these things by a thousand hours of mm-hmm. salt spray. So they have to test these things at the most extreme conditions at the coast, for instance. But around here, here steel is just fine, and the paint warranty is 40 years usually. If you uh, oh, Wow. When you see these carport... Been, I was going, that was my next question I was going to ask you. Because we know on the aluminum siding, after maybe 20 years or so, sometimes the paint gets dull, yeah. et cetera. Yes, sir. And I was wondering about the roofs. If they... Right. The aluminum version of the standing seam is what you want to use. I want to say it's a half a mile in from beachfront. And so mm-hmm. you see a lot of that going on at the coast. And uh, the difference in the warranty is that the, the substrate is warrantied. So it's not just the paint like it would be on the steel, but the actual substrate itself. So if you have an aluminum roof and then something happens with a uh, issue with the, the material, it's covered a lot more in depth. And really with metal, all you have is the labor warranty and the paint warranty. So you uh, need to make sure that you really really get a good product because they have them as 10-year, you know, 20-year warranties. A lot mm-hmm. of these carport mm-hmm. places that you see that mm-hmm. popped, they popped up on every corner, Across the county, you know, yeah. a lot of those have 10-year metal, and you don't know it because it yeah. looks beautiful when you buy it. Yeah, we got one of those covering our uh, uh, entrance area on the side of our church, and it's developed leaks even, you know. Oh, yeah. It, 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 has, it hasn't been there 30 years, I don't think. Right. But, uh, Is that the uh, screw down where you can see the, the screws on the mm-hmm, outside? Mm-hmm. Usually that's a washer problem with the screw. It's probably not mm-hmm. with the metal itself, yeah. but uh, those washers will will break down similar to like yeah. a pipe boot and uh then you're at the mercy of a thousand rubber washers and just had to find <laughs> the one that's leaking <laughs> okay uh donnie blanchard's with us this morning and uh, this is contractor's corner every wednesday at eleven thirty. and uh if you want to get in touch with sure top roofing the number is 270-9292 270-9292 and of course it's a 336 Number lots of people have had a lot of problem. I know you folks have probably been dealing with a lot of this. A tree th- fell on our garage during the storm, and the foundation looks compromised, and the structure is partially collapsed. Uh, and we're currently waiting on the insurance company. Uh, is there anybody else we should call? Well, the insurance company by far is the, the most important call to make, and that gets the ball rolling. And um, the um, the next person I would I would recommend calling is a tree removal service. We mm-hmm. com- commented on this last week, and of course the the numbers are all over the board with the tree removal and availability comes into play in mm-hmm. a time like right now. But the um, the tree removal would be the second thing I would advise if you have children or anybody around that area. If the tree's still laying on there, you know you mm-hmm. just don't realize just how much weight that is, and and if uh, if something happens, there's no getting out from under that. So mm-hmm. I tell everybody to be safe. But tree removal will be the next step. Highly recommend getting in touch with a, a GC or a roofer, whatever you see the problem to be. And as uh, as far as that goes, they're not going to be able to do very much. We've had a, a similar instance 
where we've already been out to look at this, it doesn't sound quite as bad as, as building collapsed and foundation mm-hmm. compromised, but we couldn't really get in to take the measurements and see what we needed to see until the trees were off of it and right, we had everything right. shored up. So that would be the third thing. Um, the fourth thing is getting a structural engineer in there because realistically they're going to be the, the end all and saying what you can do if it can be repaired, if it's just a total loss yep. or what have you. And I would recommend, depending on the municipality you live in, call the inspections department and say, hey, who do you work with normally with these structural engineers? If you cold call a structural engineer, he may or may not be familiar with the area, the inspectors, and that sort of thing. So um, it's always wise to to call the inspectors and say, who do you recommend? And that will normally get you well, to the right person. If you're looking for a structural engineer, would you find that in the Yellow Pages, or where else would you find that? Uh, yes, sir. Um, I would. Google is ever so popular these days, and you know, with a structural engineer who has a good name, he's not going to have to advertise online. He's no. just going to have a good name. But Yellow Pages is fine. Um, you could always Google it mm-hmm. uh, and just see who, who's local and who maybe are, they have reviews or maybe they don't. But oftentimes with folks like this, that you know, in the construction world, you're not going to get contractors who, who will leave a review and that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the inspections department may be your best bet. Okay. Well, here's something to talk about. Uh, custom-built houses – versus track-built houses. Now, what's the difference on those? Mm, how long do you have to... <laughs> <laughs> well, we got about eight minutes. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, it, it probably comes down to your preference in terms of uh, uh, quality and, and, and what you see on the outside versus what you can't see behind the walls. And mm-hmm. also, you know, pricing. There's there's just a lot of things. Of course, these track builders are going to be more competitively priced. Usually the area they build the homes in are desirable to live in for work or shopping and school districts and that sort of thing. They plan all that out before they, before they put these subdivisions on the map. But I would. Uh, I actually did an internship, and I won't say the name of the company, but I did an internship when I was in college for oh. a track builder, and there were several things, um, just a few things that caught my, my eye at the time before mm-hmm. I really knew a lot about what was going on. Is I remember this particular track builder had their own lumber yards. Mm-hmm. They had their own carpet manufacturers, mm-hmm. so they were vertically integrated in terms of not having to step outside of uh, their own, their their own, own company. Yes, yeah. sir. So, you know, how, how that works. Um, I know that they still had to, to abide by a lot of the same engineering standards mm-hmm. and things, but um, I remember I, I was just mortified when I, I got a package of studs to frame a house, and they were finger-jointed, meaning one stud was four pieces, and so mm-hmm. you had to, you know, you could literally break it over your, your knee, that sort of thing, and you could mm-hmm. see where they were glued together, and yeah. those were, you know, these were half-million-dollar homes, and, and those were the studs in the walls, and wow. when I asked the question, you know, how can this be, they said that, well, the, the, it stands up to the to vertical pressure just fine, but horizontally, of course, you could take your hand and, and knock it in two there, mm-hmm. and um, so it would withstand vertical pressure enough to get an engineering stamp on it, but I guess when it's in the wall and it's got drywall on both sides, they somehow saw the the end game there to be okay. Um, I remember with the carpet manufacturers, you know, of course, the carpet was beautiful when you put it down in the house, but uh, it just didn't stand up to the same quality. And and Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that's not every track builder, so I'm not going to group all them together. Together, But, but, um, you know, as far as a custom-built home, normally you're dealing with a local contractor. You're dealing with somebody who's... They built houses Reputation for years and years. Is on the line. Absolutely, absolutely, and we're still in a word of mouth community around here. And and um, I just think that you can't go wrong. And I think you'll be surprised. I mean, the the track built homes are 
if you price them out both ways, not as competitively priced as you might think. And some mm-hmm. of these custom builders, and even though the cost of the building materials is up, like we talked about last week, I think that it's still a much better a much better thing to go with a custom builder because you can have your hands on every phase of the project and you know you just um and even when you can't have your hands on it it's somebody there that you trust versus an employee working for a giant company and mm-hmm. maybe even an intern out there on your project i don't know okay. <laughs> but um yes sir I, I definitely lean towards the custom and there's countless things we could dive into there but um you know those are just a couple of things that that i noticed from personal experience i guess all of us saw after the storm down there at uh mexico beach florida that uh that one house that uh, they built and they said it only paid about 15 percent more right and right. it was the only one standing yeah. down there when it was all over that's funny you mentioned that um one thing that has really crossed my path several times in the last few weeks is these what they call fortified homes and uh fortified roofs particularly mm-hmm. When you see the Mexico beach wiped out and then there's that one last house standing, I mean, yeah. it's pretty impressive. And, um, the, uh, the fortified homes, there, there's just several things that you can do and, um, probably not necessary to spend that kind of money on a house around here. But mm-hmm. as far as the roofing, we were really pleased the way that we do a roof standard, we do a 130 mile an hour wind rating and, uh, of course the 50 year warranty. So we have to install that roof a certain way and, and just um, for lack of a long explanation i tell people these are all the bells and whistles that you can get on a roof mm-hmm. and when i i um, the fortified roofs i've heard about it but it just hasn't come up around here and when i read about what that requires to get that certification wow. i was really pleased that that we already do it that way mm-hmm. so everything that we've been doing for years and years uh would qualify for the fortified roofs no problem so uh and a neat thing on the fortified this may be worth asking your insurance company about but uh these folks at the coast are getting, I want to say, $600 from their insurance company towards doing the fortified roofs and also getting a discount on their premiums after the roof is wow. complete. Okay. Yes, sir. That's good. Yes, sir. Um, I had something else I don't, on my mind that it slipped. Just uh, uh, Oh, oh, repairs, actually. I know that a lot of stuff, somebody doesn't need a whole roof. They, they got a little, uh, like we said, a tree that damaged a part of a roof, mm-hmm. et cetera. Now, you folks take care of stuff like that, right? We do. We do. We're a little bit backlogged right now just because of the, the amount of calls that have come in from the storm. But mm-hmm. we do take care of that, and, and normally um, it takes a little while to make sure that you match the shingle up properly. That's what and, I was wondering about, matching up. Yeah, we do a neat thing, and um, maybe I shouldn't let all my secrets out on the radio here, but uh, <laughs> we do a neat thing. We call it a transplant. So if we go to a house, um, say that the shingles that are damaged are on the front of the house and it's a 10 12 15 year old roof of course you can't buy a new shingle to match that but right. we'll grab a shingle off of another slope or a shingle or three off of another slope we'll put those on the front so they match really well mm-hmm. and then we'll put the new shingles on the back of the house so it's right. not so conspicuous that's pretty good yes yeah. sir oh let's see what else i had something else oh i uh, my curiosity i have passed places where they manufacture a home you know and it's even two-story things, and they have two different parts, and they put it together. How in the world, I'm talking about foundation and <laughs> and, and, and roofing and everything, how in the world do you get that to work? Well, 
let's see. Uh, I don't know how to answer this one in a nice way. Um, it's, it, they actually do work and, and, and I'm not, I've never, um, I've helped some, some friends and family as far as retrofitting the upstairs, but the way that the manufactured home folks, they sell it as they say, Hey, anything you can drive down the road at 60 miles an hour, it doesn't fall apart. Then it should be okay. And, uh, you know, maybe they're right. I haven't taken part in any kind of construction from the, the ground up with the manufactured homes, but I do know that, the ones that I've had a hand on personally, the little things like the windows weren't great quality that they, so you're going to end up with a window replacement yeah, maybe sooner yeah, than you would otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, as far as our values on the insulation and other things, I think that, that, uh, that they have to abide by the, the code on those right, things right. or they just can't build them. So the, the newest manufactured home you could get right now might be better than something you could have uh, built 20 years ago. So well it's probably better better than uh, a man- manufactured uh, you know like mobile type home. Uh, yeah, in some forms uh especially with the foundation, um the foundation is a big difference you see there versus like an underpinning or something yeah. that wouldn't be structural but um you know the a lot of these um you know we re-roof these at some mm-hmm. point and and the rafters mm-hmm. or the roof structure is just a little bit different and it holds up okay. So nothing wrong with it at all. It's just um if you have the option to go manufactured versus custom, maybe better to go custom. Hey, they're playing our song here, Donnie. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, we got to get out of here. A program of uh, Donnie is with us every Wednesday at Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing. And if you want to get in touch with them, give them a call. The number is 336-270-9292. 270-9292. We'll be back with you next Wednesday.